All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Healthy Scratch Podcast on Hot Sauce Sports. I'm Spencer Plamondal. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Chris Johnston-Galvez. And we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be jumping into some Habs and Leafs, of course. How can we not, boys? You know, like that's uh, it's the front uh, front of this show is the Habs and Leafs. And we're going to be after looking around the league. Maybe. Yeah. After, yeah, after last night and tonight, we got the game going on in the background right now uh, against Edmonton. It, it can be just about the Leafs if you guys want, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'd rather never talk about hockey again. <laughs> Oh, man. So we're going to be covering some stuff around the league as well, naturally. And we got some really good women's hockey uh, coverage as well. Chris has been covering the, well, he was covering the NWHL playoffs until it was unfortunately cut short. And, uh, yeah, he's been doing some great articles on that throughout that uh, that really uh, get into some good detail. And we're going to be able to break that down on the show. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to start out with some, uh, some news around the league. What's been going on around the league since we last did our podcast? Uh, Ty, the Flyers, what do you got on them? I've been reading a lot about people who think they're, they, they've been underachieving a little bit or they haven't looked that good, which I will agree to a certain extent. I will be honest. I've spent a decent amount of time watching their games uh, just because I think I do enjoy watching the Flyers play. Um, and, and while I do think they haven't exactly been off to the hottest start, there are three things that I'd like to touch on that I think are the main reasons for that. The first being that Carter Hart hasn't looked particularly good to start off the season through his first nine games. He's got a three, four, nine goals against and an eight ninety seven save percentage. Yeah. Like any of the teams in, in the NHL, if your goalie struggles, you're probably going to struggle a little bit. Um, the second being Katori has only played three games. All right. That's arguably their best player. And he hasn't been in the lineup for most of the, m- most of the season. On a side note for him, in the three games that he has played, he's got four points and they've won all three. So take that as you will. Um, and the third being, they've got five losses and four of them are against the Boston Bruins, who, contrary to what I said in our first episode, um, apparently aren't taking a step back. So I guess I'll eat my words on that one. Yeah, we both have um, to. We both so have to. If, if you do have to, if you if you are playing one of the best teams in the NHL, on such a on on, a, on, a, on an extremely regular basis, I mean, yeah, you're probably going to lose them a bunch so i i wouldn't wait too much um behind their slow start because i i do like their team um and like i said if carter hart is or becomes what everyone's expecting him to become and katoria becomes becomes a regular in the lineup again i i don't see any reason to to be worried if i'm a flyers fan yeah, I mean it's it it is you know you're relying on guys you know getting healthy and and, and improving their play, which isn't always guaranteed. That being said, like I kind of feel the same way about uh, about Carter Hart, especially like he's mm-hmm. he's a great goalie. He's going to whether it's this yeah. year or it's another year, he's going to figure this out. Like and he's going to be fine. And I I think he's going to figure it out this year. But it's you know you do run the risk of just sometimes you have that off year. And as Habs fans, we've seen that multiple times. Where you go into the season, expectations are one thing, and then you end up being just completely out of the picture. But again, I I really I like the Flyers as well. I think they've got a good team, they got a good roster, and I think they figured that out. 100%. Um, while we're in Pennsylvania, we got let's touch on the the Pittsburgh uh, Brian Burke and uh, Ron Hextall coming in there. Um, that was surprising to me. Like I was not ex- expecting to see. Burke in particular getting another job in the NHL uh, period, really. Like, I kind of thought he had had his time, and, you know, he's an old-school guy. I like Burke, but I think his, you know, the the, the 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 NHL that he's best in touch with is has come and gone, you know? So I was I was very surprised to see that. Um, I'm curious to see what they do next. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot in, in the air right now. It's It seems like they're trying to... 
make the best with what they have for now, but they're going to be reevaluating as they go. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that all shakes out. You know, you're already hearing the Crosby, the Crosby to Montreal rumors in particular are funny, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting situation over there. Well, Spence, if ever you have the ability to hire a president who has not won a cup since 2003, uh, you got to do it. Well, you you absolutely it. have to go for a guy who's had five jobs since and done nothing. You have yeah, well, to go there. Like, right? that's the thing is when you look that's, at his time that's in, the end, yeah, and in Calgary and every, like he, he just hasn't had a great track record, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't see it being a great move, but again, like he's not the GM and Hextall is a good, Hextall's fantastic at developing talent too. So that's going to bode very well for them regardless. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just yeah. an interesting combo, man. Like I still, I, I see Ron Hextall and the guy's so friggin' Zen and like, interviews but that's not the hextall i grew up with like i just I, I look at him and i'm just like i have a hard time <laughs> picturing him as a suit you know like a guy that's gonna write the ship but yeah. he did some good work in philly and you know in their first game uh with them at the helm um not only did they have poor defense but a really soft goal mm, uh, so yeah. we can expect a uh wild brian burke interview <laughs> um i'm predicting the over under on four truculence or tenacity references oh my god um <laughs> So we'll see. We'll have to we'll have to calculate that next time we do a podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have to keep track of that. I don't know. It's interesting. They, they do like their goaltending is a question mark right now. I did not think Tristan Jarry was going to struggle as much as he as he is so far. I hope he turns it around, but I'm starting to think maybe he's not the guy that I thought he was. So, Chris in Vegas, agreed. Talk to me about Mark Stone. It's just, it's my civic duty, <laughs> at any point in time. Here we go. To reference the greatness that is Mark Stone. Um, it, we, we have this, this fixation in hockey on who the most underrated player is and they get, uh, so overrated because of it. And it just, it's never really hit Mark Stone. And it really bothers me because Mark Stone is unquestionably a top 10 talent in the NHL. The ice is tilted whenever he gets on, when he hops the boards, there are very few players that have that kind of impact. Yeah. defensively, offensively, and to see him play with a, a proper team now after watching him rot in Ottawa, having a winger like Pacioretty, it's just, it's a it's a joy to watch Mark Stone. And it I think is, we should yeah. all be watching more Mark Stone. Mark Stone is a beautiful player to watch. The thing is, he doesn't have a game that, you know, translates to, to flashy highlight reels in the same way some of the high-end stars in the league do. Yeah. He's he's great offensively but it's just more of a a meat and potatoes he's like the best meat and potatoes guy in the league for christ's sake with with how he generates his offense and how he his his defensive game is incredible and it's always been incredible and it like that side of the game has never gotten the the love and respect it deserves you know like unless you were pavel datsuk winning the he should have won the selkie he should have he should have he should have won the selkie every of the last five years yeah yep yep it's uh it's it's an interesting case so you know it, well, it's, it's the whole thing, like, you're due when you win, you know? Like, you don't win – well, yeah. sometimes you do win because you deserved it on the season, but there's a, there's the yeah. he's due aspect of it, too. Like, the Norris, the past few years, I feel like, have been the kind of, like – you're just giving it to the next guy in line. Um, I don't know. It's The awards are weird. The awards are weird. No, I know. You're, yeah, you're 100% no. correct, Spence. 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was just pointing out that, you know, when, when people think of – the defensive side of hockey for forwards um it's usually people usually pay most attention to centers which is you know which i yeah. get centers usually are the ones who are most involved in, in the d zone when it comes to the forwards 
which is part of the reason why he gets overshadowed so much. You know what yeah, I mean? Might be. Wingers don't point. get that same kind of appreciation because it's not as maybe not as noticeable, but it's it, it's just not as like as traditional, I guess, as as people are are used to. Yeah, but he's he's like incredible at the defensive side of the game. Really, it's like watching. Oh him no, he is. He is. No, he's phenomenal. Like, yeah, yeah, he's it's, phenomenal. It's something else. He's it really does deserve more attention than it gets, and you know. Hopefully it comes like he, he's had those movements where people are trying to to get him acknowledged as like the most underrated guy in the game. And you're mm-hmm. right, Chris, it hasn't really it, it certainly hasn't reached that point where he becomes appropriately rated or overrated at any point, I don't think. But hopefully in the future, at some point, he gets that respect that he deserves because it's uh, it's weird that he doesn't. He's he's a really good player. You mentioned Pat Chiretti. There's something I was thinking about. I mentioned this to you guys a little bit. Um, Pacioretty has a Mexican heritage, right? Austin Matthews has Mexican mm-hmm. heritage. His mother was born in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. I look at Mika Zibanejad, who is Iranian. I look at, like, Nazem Kadri. There's Yamamoto, Nick Suzuki, Dumba from the Philippines. Like, there's there's a lot of diverse stars in this league or very good players, whatever you want to, however you want to splice that. And I feel like the league could be doing so much more with these guys to put them at the forefront to try and grow the game. And I don't know how much of it has to do with maybe they've tried, maybe the players don't have much interest in it, but I have a hard time believing that. Like, I really feel like the league could be having initiatives where these guys are, you see these guys in commercials, you see these guys taking on projects that are, that are geared towards targeting people who share the same heritage even if it's just in Canada and the States, you know, like to try and grow the game with those within those cultures in Canada and the United States, I feel like the league could be doing so much more in that area. Well, Spence, I, 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 one of the things that I point to every time I have this discussion, um, there has been a player that's tried it and he was just ostracized the whole time. PK Subban. Yeah. Yeah. He's, one of those players that transcends the game. He probably has more fans than most athletes just because of his presence outside of hockey. Yeah. And what did he get for that action? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he got told he was a problem. He got traded. Uh, every time something goes wrong, ah, it's PK Subban's fault. Definitely couldn't be that the rest of the roster couldn't score any goals. That has to be PK Subban. Yeah. And, and um, you, you, you get the sense that even players who have, um, you know, the cookie cutter method that the hockey players like, like Pacioretty, for example, Mm -hmm. Uh, he won't touch on that part because it's not something hockey likes to talk about. Right. Yeah. There's just no room for it. I mean, and and I mentioned earlier, like like the Brian Burke thing, like there is a small group in hockey and and there is no room for outsiders. Yeah. It's a, it's the biggest gate kept league in North America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that they don't um it's not that they don't promote these players it's that they don't want to promote these players yeah it feels like that it, well it that's almost the feeling it, i like, get go yeah. ahead Zai. yeah yeah i was just gonna say like anytime the nhl does do anything when it comes to promoting its diversity um it almost it, it not even almost it just always looks like it's just like they're doing it because they know like their hand I don't know how to twisted, explain it. Right? It's like never out of it's it. it's never out of like genuine it's it just never seems to be out of genuine like this is what we need to do. It's yeah. oh everybody's looking at us. Yeah. Uh we're expected to do it. Let's just do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is exhausting. Reac- reaction not proaction. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're exactly. not they're not like 
you know what I mean? Like anytime, like Chris said, I would like to see more proactive behavior. I don't want to, I'm tired of seeing this things happen. And the NHL is like, Oh, well, obviously we don't, we don't condone racism. Like, no, you know, like you have the platform to make a real stance. Don't wait for things to happen for you to then be like, well, yeah, we can't, we can't have these things. Exactly. And there's, there's people that are making those efforts outside of just athletes. Like uh, uh, yep. black girl hockey club is one of the most interesting movements in the game. Yep. Uh, Renee Hess is doing something incredible. Yep. And there is like three teams that have signed up to help her out. Yeah. Yep. It's just, they, there's no, they can talk about wanting to be inclusive all they want. There is a reason these people don't feel accepted. Right. Yeah. They make no effort. And yep. when there is an opportunity, they actively choose not to. Yeah. Unless, like Ty said, they're in a situation where from a public relations standpoint, it would look terrible if they didn't. And that's yeah. when you see them All start to embrace do something kind of exactly, thing. and you start to see them embrace the hockey diversity alliance to the bare minimum level, and they start, you know, hockey is for you know, yeah. and it just it rings hollow. It really rings and even the hockey, hollow. Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. even the HDA they had to they had to back away from their partnership because the NHL just didn't want to do any of the things that they were requesting. Yeah, yeah, simple things, basic things. It's 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 unfortunate. It's, just, it, it's it, embarrassing. It, it, yeah. Yes, it, it is embarrassing. That is the that is the perfect word for this situation. It is embarrassing. Yep. And you're hurting your own product. Yeah. You you really are. Well, even from like a from a you know you're looking at it from a money making standpoint, like it makes sense to be growing the game like this. Like you've got a Latino star for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's one of the best yep. players in the league, and you're not promoting that. Like it, it I Pacioretty Matthews. Them in particular, if someone hadn't told me that they have a Latino heritage, I would have assumed they were white. And of course, like they are, you know, they, that that is part of their heritage as well. But it should be expressed and embraced and, and put out there for kids who can relate to yeah. that and connect to that to see. And that's how you grow the game. And that's how mm -hmm. you, you start. You, you're you're, you're going to make money doing it, but that shouldn't even be the point. You want to grow the game. You want to make it more inclusive. That's that's how you do it. And by extension, yeah, if you get more people into hockey, then you're mm -hmm. gonna hit more markets. I, I guess they they see it as an investment that's not worth the the risk. I don't know. Or they're just it's like you said, it's an old same, boys club. Same, setting same option they have with with the women's game. Yeah, it just it's it's and you said it. You said it perfectly. You said if you didn't if you weren't told they had Latin American heritage. Uh, you would just assume they were white because yep. that's what hockey culture wants you to assume. Yeah, like that's that's the way that it's built. Uh, it there is no way around it unless you. And this is something that we we should do as as our podcast and hot sauce as well. Like the pledge to get uncomfortable from the Black Girl Hockey Club. Like that's the only way to get this going. Is to, absolutely. Yeah, it sucks. It's uncomfortable, but. You have to get uncomfortable, yeah. and then you can fix it afterwards. Yeah, yep. and it's like it's been a privilege to not have to get uncomfortable for this long, right? Like it's been a privilege to be able to sit there and hear some stuff like that, and you know, internalize and just sort of like grit your teeth and bear it and let it pass. Like that's not how it should be. That's not how you stamp out racism. That's how you contribute to racism, even if you're not believing the shit you're hearing. You're letting it happen, and that's part of it. It's a privilege that we've been able to sit by and just get away with doing that and it's not okay and it's not right and it is something that needs to change and it is changing and i'm thrilled to see that it is changing 
but it needs to be widespread and it needs to be embraced by these sports leagues for starters, but in, in, it needs to be embraced by the general public as much as possible. And, you know, the media as well. No more yeah. Réjean Tremblay's of the world. No yeah, exactly. more, like Fuck. we're past this as a society here. We don't need these people. Yeah. But again, there's, I think there's so many of these people embedded in the game at virtually every level that it makes this a much more uphill battle than I think a lot of, um, the sports more progressive fans realize that it would be. So, you know, there's a, there's a tough. And that's road why you ahead. need to hire outside of the same exactly. twenty guys and exactly. outside of the same families. That yeah, like just because you played the NHL doesn't make you the smartest man around. No, like, these are things that we need to move on from as a sport. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, we're gonna move on to, uh, to some have leaves talk here. Um, Jake Evans. I, I love this kid. I love how he's played. I see him as the future 3C of this organization. Um, I see him as a guy who could maybe even slot into the top six in a filling in kind of role in the future. Uh, he's, he's whip smart. He's developed and overachieved every step of the way. It's been great to see. Go from a seventh round draft pick, four years in college, just grinds it out, does the entire process, and to see him flourishing now is awesome. That being said... I've noticed the trend since he came into the league um, of leaving himself vulnerable to dangerous hits. I had actually written this down as a note uh, to talk about on this podcast before he took a, a headshot last week. And it's unfortunate the hit that he took, it was the good Branson hit though. It was clean by league standards. I think is, I think and we've talked about this and you guys agree it's bullshit and it should be out of the game. It should not the double IHF rule honestly yeah. should be the rule in the NHL. There's no such thing as a clean hit to the head. Period. Point final. Move on. Yeah. I'd be okay with even blindside yeah. hits if yeah. they were, or I'd be able to stomach them if they were not targeting the head as often as they do. Jake Evans, mm -hmm. because that is a legal hit, needs to be prepared for these kind of hits. And it's been happening repeatedly. And it's not just the times that he gets it. And he's gotten it pretty good several times. It's the times when it's a near miss or when he's exposed and the other guy just chooses not to engage with him. Like it's a trend that I've been noticing that I really hope he's able to break out of soon. Cause I watch him and it reminds me a bit of Michael Bourneval who was a, a really promising two way player for the Montreal Canadians about 10 years ago and had his career cut short, very young because of concussions. And I do not want that to happen to Evans. I think he's a, a, a tremendous hockey player and I want to see him avoid that that fate. Um, beyond Evans, I want to look at some young guys here. Uh, Suzuki's been great. We'll look at the young guys and, and the new guys a little bit here and, and, and delve into that and see how they're progressing. Suzuki's been incredible. Like Ty, when, when we came into this season, did you expect Suzuki to to show just the, the intelligence on the ice that he's shown so far? Did you expect it to be this improved? Honestly... I had pretty high expectations for him, and he still managed to exceed them, right? surpass them. Yeah, which is which which stuns me. Yeah, um, he has looked a little more human these past couple games. The whole they team all, has, they all have. um, yeah. which we'll touch on in a bit, I'm sure. But uh, he has looked a little more. He has looked a little more human. But let's be honest, the whole team has, and in yeah. many cases, some of them have looked not even human on the ice. Some of them have been downright <laughs> awful. So I'm not too overly concerned. Um, but again, like you said, Spence, he's been phenomenal since game one. Um, the two things that I've noticed the most about him, which have impressed me 
um, is a he's using his body a lot more than I than than I thought he would, and and, and I'm not talking really about protecting the puck smartly. or yeah, go ahead or 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 or, or forechecking. He's he's always done those things, but he's 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 leaning into guys a lot more. I was watching the Habs Oilers game before coming down to record this. He leaned into McDavid a couple times. You know, like he's confident. He he he's. He, he's not afraid to get down and dirty, I guess you could say, like the old-fashioned hockey stereotype. But he's not hes not afraid to get in the grimy areas and work his butt off. Um, and the second thing is, even though they might not work all the time, he tries to make moves that I don't think – I can't remember the last time I've seen Habs, a Habs player try to do. You I, know? I can't like... remember the last time I, I try, I, I've seen a Habs player try to pull – try to genuinely pull a toe drag. And he does one – like on a regular, or he tries to pull one on a regular basis. He has so, like little creative moves that are like, yeah. they, they don't, I don't want to draw a compare, uh, comparison to, to Kovalev directly, but he, like yeah. Kovalev comes to mind as the last guy who tried doing stuff like that. And actually Radulov yeah. did as well. Radulov yeah. had the, the, it's interesting. Like there's been, as much as the Canadians have been starved for high end talent for so long, there have been those guys that have shown up and Kovalev was there for a oh, while, Radulov for a year, but where they, they had this like, very different way of playing the game. Radulov, his stick handling blew me away when I first saw him come back into the NHL with us, yeah. or with Montreal, I should say. Um, just the way he would he, he stick handles yep. exactly where he knows the defender can't get it. He'll stick handle under the guy's stick right in front of his feet because mm-hmm. he knows the guy's going to be jammed up if he's trying to, yep. to pick it up there. So there's, they think the game and, and handle the puck in a, a really interesting way. And, and Suzuki's no no exception to that. He really... I, I, I can't compare the moves that he makes directly to anyone because I feel like he does sort of process it in his own way and do things yep. with the puck that is it's very unique um, in, in what I've seen anyway. And well, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's... Sorry, it's like like I said before. They might not always work. But again, I can't remember the last Habs player I've watched outside of maybe Radulov and Kovalev who've like really ever kind of tried to be creative with the puck. Yeah. Like oftentimes you'd see guys try stuff, but we all knew they weren't really good enough to actually yeah. do it. It either didn't work or it would work, but it was just out of pure luck. Yeah. Um, but he's like the first player I can remember in a long time who I can conf- I feel I can confidently say he's got the talent to pull those things off. I mean, who was Chris? Who was it? Was it Filipovic who posted that two-minute clip of him at yeah, the start Filipovich, of the season? Dimitri they were like yeah. they were like four or five games in. It was a two-minute clip of him. Some of them were just him making smart plays, but a lot of it was just him being crafty with the puck. Yeah, you know that's that was exciting. An awesome clip that that's to watch. fun to watch. Who did he murder in the corner, like at the oh, in his own zone? Who was was that? That was against Edmonton. The, they just ended that guy's life. Oh man, that was bad. That, you was see bad. what I mean? Like that's insane. Like every other Habs player I've seen do that is just out of pure luck. Like it's not like you know, but it it's, it's fun it's, to watch. It's, it's a cool blast to, to watch. Guy, like you look at Druin. Like we're like Mark Dumas when we interviewed him had a really good point that like what you see is what you get with Druin. That's actually kind of changed the way that I've looked at him a little bit uh, for the better and just appreciating mm-hmm. what he does bring and not expecting him to turn into a point per game player. And Druin has yeah. that like he he'll pull off those incredible moves sometimes like the neutral zone the other game that was incredible like he had, had that move in the neutral zone where he, avoid, he dodged the hip check from brady kachuk i think if i'm not conflating two different yeah, things yeah. and then just like had these incredible yeah, angles kachuk, yeah. yeah and just sort of pass it off and it was great next move but a lot of times with drewin i feel like he makes those moves and he, even if he pulls them off it, there's a bit of a like what now aspect to yeah. it you know whereas like suzuki it's more natural where he knows yeah. 
what he's doing next. And there's not much of a, a thought process there. Yeah. I touched on this with Drew a little bit. I'm curious what you think about this, Ty, and, and you, Chris, as well, but Ty in particular because you're a big Drew guy. I touched mm-hmm. on this a bit in the, the fantasy hockey pod. I feel like Drew is a guy whose hockey sense is limited, but I think mm-hmm. his hockey sense is limited because he's in his own head so much. I feel like if he were yeah. to be able to to work through whatever's going on upstairs and that, that yeah. you know, overwrought thought process that seems, mm-hmm. you know, from the outside looking in again, seems to be mm-hmm. going on with him, that he would have very good hockey sense. Like he, yeah. in junior, for instance, I think probably showed a more elite hockey sense than he's showing now. And it's a totally different league, obviously. And that needs to translate at a much quicker speed for sure. But I think since getting to the NHL and, and seeing how difficult of a path it's been for him, I feel like that's part of the reason that his it's that, that he's been held back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for starters, I'm going to be honest right here. I didn't do my job properly by saying Suzuki's the only one who could pull those moves off because <laughs> I mean, we all know Dwayne's got the ca- the capability yeah. to, to do it too. But again, to your point, Spence, um, what you brought up before, he does kind of, A, he tries to force a move that's not there, or B, you're right, he does kind of seem like, oh, what next? I did yeah. this, now what? Not always. like he, he Not always, he, but sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, my biggest thing with him ever since he joined the Habs was, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but personally, I think that a lot of the issues that a lot of former Habs and even some of the current Habs have run into is that they weren't a, a well built. They weren't built well. The team wasn't built well enough or deep enough to have players either a play in their natural, their natural like role, right? Like they're what they're best suited for with their game. Would like, like you look at Drew, for instance, right? Like he's best suited to be a supporting cast kind of guy. Like he yeah. is in this year's iteration of the Canadians. Right. Well, yeah. And that, and that's the thing, right? Like how many times have we seen, like in the past years, players fall short of expectations, but it's because they were thrown in way too early yeah. in a role that they weren't prepared for and not surrounded by the right supporting staff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you just said, Spence, and like Dumont said in our, in our interview with him, he can't be the guy. You know what I mean? He can't yeah. be, he, he he's, he's like Chris's favorite superhero. He needs somebody to be his Batman. He can be Robin and that's fine. But he needs somebody to be Batman. He can't yeah. be Batman. He can't do it by himself. And that's fine. That's some players. Um, and I think this year we're finally seeing what happens when you put him in the in 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 the the, the like sidekick role, right? Like where he's exactly yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and you put him in the right position to succeed. Like again, like I said, so many yes, some of the players that the some players that have failed at the Habs have failed just because they weren't any good. But a lot of them failed just because they weren't given the right tools to succeed. Yeah. They, they weren't was, given the surrounding you know cast I mean? they, to succeed, right? Like they're, they're wedged they're, into a role. You look at Dano, like Dano, and it's to the point where like he wanted to continue having that role either here or somewhere exactly. else. And I don't know, like he's, he just doesn't seem like he's best suited for that. Like for very good teams, mm-hmm. Dano is not the guy that you want to be a top six center debate. Like a second line center. Yes. Like he, I don't know. It's I've looked. I've actually looked through the depth charts of every friggin' team in the league, and like he would hold up as a number two center on, on quite a few. Um, yeah. But I think he's best suited in that kind of secondary role. And like obviously this mm-hmm. year he's struggling to get it going. But he's if your team is relying on him for offense mm-hmm. in the same way that the Montreal Canadiens have in the past few years, you're not in the best shape, right? Exactly. So yeah, exactly. I, I totally I see where you're coming from, 100. And like it, it's and then, been they're yeah. sandwiched into those roles. 
exactly and that's why you know like you start seeing just that like to answer your first question spence i am absolutely thrilled to see how joe's doing yeah um but i'd be lying to everybody if i said i was even remotely surprised we all knew the talent was there yeah you just had to put him in the right position and adjust our expectations right like we 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 needed to stop expecting him to become that superstar that we hoped he was when we got him in the the circuit chef trade so it's yeah, it's a it's it's definitely an interesting an interesting syndrome there. And Suzuki again finally feels like the real deal, right? And like KK's been been good, and he looks like he he looks like an NHLer consistently now, which is great. And I think his development is going to continue to chug along. Romanov is you know he's Romanov's certainly looking human again, and that's to be expected. But he's been really good. He's averaging what like eighteen and a half minutes a night or something. Um, oh yeah, and. He yeah. stumbled a little bit, but that was to yeah. be expected. Of course, that we no nobody becomes an NHL player, especially not no. an NHL defenseman, without stumbling. At some yeah, point. and especially he was playing like the past few years, and like how many minutes a night was he getting in the KHL? Right, like he wasn't getting yeah. to play big minutes. This is the most minutes he's played regularly in God knows how long, probably since he was in the in junior in the, in Russia. So yep. yeah, of course it's going to be it's 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 incredible that he stepped in as comfortable as he did. Um, Toffoli, Anderson have been great. Again, we're the past few games, the, the entire team has not looked the same, and that's something we're going to get into. But overall, their performance, Toffoli and Anderson have been lights out. Anderson's continued to be great even through the struggles with this team. Um, Edmondson has been solid, right? Like Edmondson, Chris, from an advanced stats point of view, I think Edmondson's still probably not great, but he's been stable. Like he's been better than I he's, expected. He's. He hasn't been bad. I, I I would call that the Jeff Petrie effect, but he definitely hasn't yeah. been bad. Je- yeah, Jeff Petrie a is a is a play driver, and Edmondson's getting some of that right now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah. But overall, I'm 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 happy with his performance. Honestly, I was I was kind of expecting there to be more bumps than there has been, and maybe there will be in the future. You know, it's the kind of player that. As the years go on, you're probably not going to be looking at him improving unless you're Jeff Petrie. Which God, if Edmondson can turn into that, <laughs> that'd be. <laughs> something but uh yeah it's, he's been better and jake allen has been really stellar yeah like I, I i could not be more happy with jake allen's performance honestly he's been the best backup i've seen in a bunch of canadians jersey since uh well since anti niemi started playing out of his mind for a stretch there one year but you know like he's this guy's actually legit and he's actually got the chops to 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 maybe even be a starter again in the future or 1a in the future you know he's been really good um yep. aside from him yeah Corey perry has been really cool too stepping into the lineup and and showing Corey perry's got these great moments where it's like you can see obviously he's in a bottom six role now but he does these little things in the game that you're like oh yeah heart trophy winner you know like yeah. he uh he, he's got that he's mind. crafty yeah he, he's he crafty is. with the puck he still thinks the game at an elite level yeah. it's it's just I, obviously the body can't keep up yeah no and and, and it's kind of like in in a in a in a funny way, not even a funny way, just in a fun way. And this is goes the, for, goes the same way for Simmons in Toronto. It's just fun to see these two guys playing for these two teams. I don't know what it is about them, but when I see Simmons in Toronto and I see Perry in Montreal, like there's always this part of me that thinks, wow, like it's this cool. is the NHL. Like the NHL is not like, it's just nice to see. You don't expect to see these guys in these jerseys. You, you know, know what I mean? Like, cool this is just, those, it's yeah. fun to see these guys playing for these teams. It's yeah, fun. You know what I mean? Is. Like, I, I never would have thought that these two guys would have, would have ended no. up north of the border. And Same. here they are. 
and playing yeah. well for both their teams. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's really cool. And even like Kovalchuk was another one last year, right? That brief little yeah. stint with Kovalchuk. He's a guy you don't yeah. expect to see him in Montreal, and then he shows up. It's just, it's just fun. It's good stuff. All right, Chris, you've uh, you've put up with our talk on the Habs for a while. What's going on <laughs> in Maple Leaf land? And after that, you're going to give us a breakdown of what's going on with the Habs a little bit from your perspective. Go ahead. Is that... Uh... North Division leading Toronto Maple Leafs you're referring to? I mean, like, I, you know, there's all sorts of different ways you can introduce them. I guess that would be one of them. But, you know, yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Go on. So, okay. <laughs> As a whole, obviously, the Leafs are on quite the run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are going well. A lot of their underlying stuff makes me a little nervous. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm I'm really happy with the way they've been. The results uh, are there. Even even just talking about last night, like, you know, the Leafs had a two goal lead and I wasn't crying the entire third period. So <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's a good start for me. Um, we'll push on. I'll, I'll brush on a little a few of the players that have I wanted to get some kind of uh, words on um, Jimmy VC. Yes. Um, Tell me about Jimmy VC. He were if he were to ever uh, be noticed in a game, I will let you know. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh Nick Robertson, I was I was so pumped to this guy. You know, he didn't uh, he didn't go to the World Juniors, so he could make the team, and he didn't play the first few games. And he came on, played the greatest three minute game I've seen in my life. Destroyed his knee, and I haven't seen him since. So um, poor guy. That was tough, but I think he's supposed to be back probably in two weeks, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually uh, a starter from now on. Uh, I think he'll take VC spot. I've I mean, VC certainly not not doing anything to show that he should be the guy that had, that holds on to it. So it's yeah, he's a uh, weird Thornton, player. Thornton was fun for the the one month, the the you know two weeks that we saw him. Oh, he he's another hurt. one I forgot about with Simmons and Perry. Yeah, yeah he's, yeah. he's yeah, really so cool he, to see with that. So jersey. Thornton is uh, he was he was playing really well with Matthews and Marner. I I was skeptical about them being that high in the lineup, but he he was playing really well and broke his rib and he's been out. Um, Miko Lettinen. I've liked, but I've liked Dermot more. So it's it's tough to find a way to get him in the lineup every night, and I get that. He's played about half the games, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two guys gets moved mm-hmm. this yeah. year for help up front. Uh, I think Elliot Friedman had said that they're looking at wingers, and he kind of has one bogged down. Uh, I tweeted that I have money on it being Ricard Raquel. There's another few guys that have been saying it's Victor Arvidsson. Raquel, just quickly to jump in, he's he's a guy that I feel like that would be a match made in heaven for like the Leafs and for Raquel, and hopefully the Ducks, you know, get taken care of too. But like Raquel has seen his game sort of regress a little bit, and like the results just haven't been there since the Anaheim has fallen off. And I feel like he would be so good with the Leafs, man. Yeah, I think he would fit great on that line with Tavares and Nylander, oh, and I think that's where yeah. they're having most trouble finding a guy. Um, so if he can, if he can slot him in there, that would be great. Uh, Victor Arvidsson would also fit there. And I love Victor Arvidsson. So I'd be mm, happy yeah. to see that. Um, the two guys that I wanted to send the most praise to for the leap so far outside of the God that is Austin Matthews, hmm. um, TJ Brody, it just, uh, what a breath of fresh air it is to see Morgan Riley on the ice and not a pylon playing next to him. So, uh, when when TJ Brody is on the ice, uh, things happen uh, in a good way, and it's 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 really odd to see that. Like the amount of times I've seen uh, opposing teams barrel down on Morgan Riley, him give the puck to someone else, and that other guy just bomb it, 
handle the puck like a hand grenade. Uh, when Riley gives the puck to TJ Brody, the puck gets cleared and cleared with a controlled exit. This guy is the king of the half sauce breakout pass. It's majestic. It's beautiful. It makes things run smoothly. You get Austin Matthews in full stride breaking out of your zone. You couldn't ask for more. Uh, but we got more. And that is for Norris contender Justin <laughs> Hall, um, who Mike Babcock refused to play. Yeah. What on earth? This guy has been sitting on the Leafs press box for the last two years. And we've been crying for a right-handed defenseman to do something. And we've had Justin Hall the whole time. He reminds me of like what Habs fans wish Brett Lernout would become or would have become, you know? Like he's he's, he's a exactly. really stable guy back there. Justin Hall has been amazing. Yeah. Every game, this guy just like he outdoes himself from the game before, and he's playing with Jake Muzzin. And we know we love Jake Muzzin. He's reliable, but Justin Hall does things that, that Muzzin can't. He's a faster skater. He's got a longer reach just from the height, but he's really good at controlling entries into his zone. I find uh, he protects the blue line really well, and um deceptively fast like watching him skate with mcdavid and mcdavid's the easiest example right now because he played so well against edmonton Mm -hmm. but he he contained mcdavid as best you can it is mcdavid obviously there's just a a unique set of skills that that justin all has that i think make him a really good defender for the current nhl and to see that he's striving on the leafs right now uh when the leafs really needed defensive help like just this year alone, like the Leafs now have allowing the sixth least amount of shots in the NHL. Yeah. Could you have said that about the Leafs in the last 10 years? God, no. I expected their defense to improve based on the additions and also, you know, like the within the system. I did not expect to be Justin Hall. I wanted to actually bring this up quickly. Like I know at the beginning of the season, you and I both spoke about Justin Hall a little bit, I think on this show and the expectation for him wasn't anything close to this right and it was kind of like we were talking about i think about how it was like the jake muzzin effect right like when he was playing with muzzin he was great um what specifically had like your view then versus your view now what's changed like what what about his game has really convinced you that oh he's not the guy that i thought he was before so uh one of the, when the season started, the running joke was, you know, between Dermot, Lettinen, and Hall, who was, who were the two that were going to play? And so we had, like, Mikko Lettinen led the KHL in points as a defenseman, and Travis Dermot gets praised by Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe every second, and Justin Hall looks good with Jake Muzzle. So, <laughs> when, when you start with that, the expectation is rather low. And, and last year, I think the issue was he played a lot of the season without Muzzle. And so when he was playing with Dermot, when he was playing with Marinson, he didn't look that great. Uh, obviously, playing with Marinson, I don't think anyone looks that great. But he didn't seem to be able to carry that pair on his own for the games where he was without Muzzin. Um, he seems more confident this year. I find him joining the rush um, more, um, but also finding a way to be able to get back on time. I, I, he always was you know, willing to join the rush. And, and Jake Muzzin does that too, for some reason. It doesn't seem like part of his game, but he does that often. Um, and, Former 40-point guy. Hall hey, just Jake seems... Muzzin's got a couple 40-point seasons on him, I think. Yeah, like he, it's just, it. you never think of it that way. Like no. he's just, he's a big burly guy with a huge beard, so you just assume he's a bruising defenseman. Yeah. 
But like on the the goal that uh, Muzzin scored last night, like uh, or Hall scored last night, Muzzin was deep in the corner with Shea Weber, and it was Mitch Marner that was at the at the point. So like it, there's some movement on that pair, and and for Hall specifically, not only the confidence, but uh, every the little decisions that I didn't like last year. Uh, the breakout passes, he, he seemed to flub quite a few of them. Uh, when he would skate it himself, he'd, he'd hesitate at first. So, like, they would have the perfect way to forecheck him. He'd get stuck. Not that he couldn't make a pass out, but it just it lacked that the extra millisecond of decision-making. This year, he seems to have it. And it, it's... Um, it goes a long way. It boggles the mind that this is a guy Babcock sat for 71 games. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a psychological aspect, as we know, to, to the way Babcock approaches his players, and I think there was probably that probably was not an exception. Um, it's 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 unfortunate, but I'm glad he's getting his chance now. I'm glad he's uh, he's making some hay now, and like it's it's you know we like we talked about that with Mu- uh, with Hall at the beginning of the year, and just the is this Jake Muzzin effect? Can he handle it on his own? And like I'm just thinking now, like we just talked about this with Druin. How like Drouin needs to ride shotgun, you know, and like there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's not all players can drive the play as as being like the guy, you know, like they can't all do that. And on a defensive pairing, that's okay too. Like it's it's okay to be, you know, it was was like the lesser of the two. It's Kulak and Petrie, right? Like Kulak's the lesser of the two, but he still was playing very good hockey next to Jeff Petrie. So it's I I don't I feel like we give a little bit too harsh of a of a rap to to defensemen in that situation super fair and and hall's numbers is his metrics have always been quite good it's kind of like a vince dunn guy where like we don't know why the coach doesn't like him but the numbers have always been good with him yeah so uh seeing that he's been doing that much better kind of gives you a sense that maybe the numbers aren't always wrong yeah there's something there to look at sometimes (laughs) speaking of numbers um we all know the canadians are the juggernaut still i i'm not falling for this whatever three game if you include tonight uh slight setback we're all going to lose games yeah uh, the canadians are one of the best teams by any metric and they have been even last season and last season what they lacked was uh, a finishing touch now i know that they've acquired jake anderson and they've acquired tyler to foley um and they've been scoring at a clip that's absolutely insane what what i wanted to warn people and that includes you guys um is some of it is a little unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know that Toffoli can't play every game against the Canucks, so his shooting percentage will go mm-hmm. down. Uh, but have we looked into like, it? Josh like, Anderson... Is there any way to make that a possible thing? You know, <laughs> was it? I think Elias Pettersson said, "Like uh, we wish he would save some of that for some other teams." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, so yes, I think they addressed some of the offense, like the final touches, but I don't think they've addressed to the extent that it looks like so far. So just Anderson in particular is a case where he's currently scoring on one in four shots. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen all year. Uh, uh, Even if he regresses to 10% at some point, which is the league average is usually around nine. Like this is not something that's going to happen all year long. Yeah. To fully shooting at 21. Jeff Petrie, a defenseman, defenseman, you just shoot at two or 3%. He's shooting at 20 so one in five shots that Jeff Feature's taking is going in. These aren't numbers that that are realistic. Yeah. And uh, between the shooting percentage and their PDO, mm-hmm. uh, PDO is the combined save percentage and shooting percentage for a team. And usually if you're around 100, that's a sustainable number. 
Okay. So a team will shoot this get save percentage about nine ten and mm-hmm. shoot about nine percent. Uh, they'll be normal and sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Habs are currently at one oh five. How much? Like, you, ever, it sounds like it's only five more. How big of a difference is that? I think the the best recorded full season is one oh five. Like okay. it, it just it doesn't happen at that rate, mm-hmm. and you're getting exceptional play from Jake Allen, which is great. And Price is a bit of an enigma. I think Ty will talk about him a bit later, but uh, Price right now leads the league <clears throat> in high danger scoring chances. That's chances within that famous Pentagon right? that we the have it on the ice. Yeah. And I think one-timers are also included in those areas just because it's a lateral movement for the goalie. Yeah. Uh, he has a 960 in those situations. The average of the NHL in history, or I guess in the modern goalie era for that, is 800. It's a ridiculous number. It's a it's a number that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but it's off-put by the fact that his low danger save percentage is far lower than it usually is like closer to 800 so when those things regress to the average um price will look a little worse than he does now Mm -hmm. which will bring the pdo down for the the habs as well these are things that it doesn't mean it's going to happen for sure and that the habs are a bad team or anything it just means that that maybe we're we're seeing a little bit of a uh aberration let's say a mist yeah Mm -hmm. okay and we haven't seen the full image yet. Yeah, there's more to come, and and this team, all the underlying numbers are great for the shot share and high danger chances for and against. Like these are this is a team that's controlling play. I just think they're scoring and saving at an unusual clip that'll probably narrow it down to league average soon enough. I mean, it seems like it's happening right now, honestly, and it, it would con- it would yes, worry me I- less if they were sticking to the work ethic and the relentless kind of four line forecheck that they had going so well in the beginning. Like it would be one thing if they were, you know, it just wasn't happening and they were regressing back to, to, you know, reality, but they were still playing uh, in a way that inspires confidence. They haven't been, you know, it's been, it's been a rough stretch here. I didn't get to see most of the Edmonton game here tonight, but three, nothing shutout. It's tough. Yeah. Didn't look good. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I watched a bit. Did not look good. Yeah. What I saw did not look good. So, Chris, you spoke about Carey Price, and you mentioned that Ty had something to say on this. Ty, what's uh, what's been going on with Price from your view? Okay, so I'm going to start off by saying that, or by admitting that maybe I'm looking at this completely blind, and I might be completely out to lunch for this, but I'm not as worried um, about him. It, has he been necessarily even good? No. Am I panicked? Am I panicking yet? Not necessarily. Now, I want to start this off by saying that Habs fans as a whole need to chill with the um, all price needs to have that motto. My favorite um, is price doesn't care. That's my favorite. Oh, motto. my God. Price, yeah. He just didn't push off. He doesn't care. Yeah, you're right. Because he, he just care. didn't push he to didn't his bother. post because he doesn't care. Yeah, that's it. You so nailed it. He was so disengaged from the game yeah, that he couldn't um, be bothered to push off to yeah, the other side. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. He just doesn't care. Because, like, yeah, no. Like, let's be honest. If, if Carey Price stopped every goal that – Everyone claims he should stop. Carey Price would let in maybe seven goals all season. Wouldn't that like, be great? You know, I think that's what we all. That'd be phenomenal, but that's unrealistic because guess <laughs> what? Um, yes, some of the goals that go in are bad goals. They should have stopped. But a lot of them that people are saying, "Oh, he should have had." No, he shouldn't have had those. Those are good goals. What was it? That tip the other night against um, 
I forget who we were playing, but that high tip that dipped on him, everyone's saying he should have had that. No, not necessarily. I don't yeah, agree with you. I don't a lot of the either. goalies in the NHL wouldn't have had that. Anyways. Well, there was one just quickly, actually. There was one goal that I noticed yeah. that he was getting a lot of flack for, and it was yeah. – he was in – he was he's such a positional goaltender that he does, yeah. like, just based on the style he plays, he will get locked in to position yep. – Yep. And get exposed sometimes when the play doesn't happen the way he's expecting it to. And that happened, I forget oh, which goal it was, where yeah. it was, he was, he had the shooter and yeah. he was engaged with them. The shooter tried to shoot, or maybe he tried to pass it, forget, but it deflected and went yep. to an open guy across the net. The guy had a wide yep. open net and Price looked like he was out of position. But yep. the only thing, he's just not a goalie who's going to make those desperation saves as frequently as some others like most yeah. goalies nowadays they just don't yeah. do it as much so he gets locked well, into that position he, he's yep. right most of the time but sometimes yeah he'll get exposed it won't happen the way he expected and it looks like he was out of position or he didn't care to bar bother to go across the crease it's yeah. it's not well, and the reality I, yeah well and i was you got you guys remember the goal i'm talking about i think spence you and i talked about it that yeah. tip goal that people were saying he should have had i don't know where people think he should have had I, that. I, that's not a goal that most no that many goalies stop that's a high tip if I'm, uh, if I'm they, they should have had it from uh, the couch they sat at yeah. while tweeting. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know? Oh, he should have had that. Anyways, look, he's first in high danger save percentage and his low danger save percentage ranks near the bottom. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys, I'm gonna give you guys two options. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys goalie A or I'm gonna give you guys goalie B. Okay, mm -hmm. goalie A, we're gonna call him. Um, Perry Kreiss, okay? Perry Kreiss is really good at stopping the really hard shots, okay? He can stop the the, the really... He can make the really tough saves that needs to be made, um, but he has a hard time making the easy saves, okay? That's something that he struggles with. We don't know why yet, but he struggles with it, okay? Is it, is it Perry Kreiss or is it Game 7 Frederick Anderson? Okay, see? You're, <laughs> or you can have Game 7 Fre Freddie Anderson. Um, or, or you can have Goalie B, okay? Goalie B, we're going to call him... Tam Calbit. Okay. Tam Calbit has a 920 save percentage at the moment. Okay. Stellar, right? That's a very good save percentage. Although, if you look at his high danger save percentage, it actually ranks near the bottom of the NHL, which means, yes, he makes a lot of saves, but they're not necessarily difficult saves. So, if you had to pick one of the two goalies, okay, and they both have the caveat that, well, again, there's no way of proving this, but you hope that they progress in the areas. That, that they struggle yeah. in. Which goalie are you leaning towards more? Even if Perry Kreiss's absurd high danger save percentage will regress at some point because that number is way too high and it's physically not possible for him to keep it up that much. Which goalie are you leaning with? I mean, knowing who Perry Kreiss and Tam Calvet actually are, of course I'm going Price. I think one thing to bear in mind, and that's a very good point, first of all, I should say. One thing to bear in mind is that Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken... Last year, they had like one of the fewest uh, high danger chances against in the entire league, despite not being a yeah. particularly good team. Um, and still so having one of the worst save percentages. Yeah, exactly. Nice conundrum there. It's weird. Yeah. But in that system, he might be able to thrive in a way that a goalie who's better than him wouldn't in a different system. That being yeah. said, of course, I'm taking Perry Kreiss 10 times out of 10. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, again, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a definite, I'm not saying that you're wrong. Like, I get why people are upset with price. I'm not, I'm not a dummy. He frustrated. I, dude, I was pissed last night too. Yeah, but, well, it's normal to be. Like when I look at him and maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of him the same way 
I think of KK whenever Chris brings up the idea of trading him. Maybe I'm blindly in love with him, but I just don't, I don't see how a goalie can continue to make the tough saves, but not clean up, not clean up the sloppy part of his game, yeah. which is just making the easy everyday NHL saves like that. They, to me, that, that that doesn't add up. If he's making the hard saves, it's only a matter of time before he starts making the average NHL save. Well, the thing that, that gets is there's just so much room for variation right here, right? Because yeah. one is so much higher than it should be, and the other one's yeah. so much lower than it should be. So it's like, where yeah. is he going to settle? You know, like there's a lot right. of room for things to go, you know, a few different with, ways. With the way the Habs are playing and the kind of quality of shots they allow versus what they give... Mm-hmm. Even if Price becomes an average goalie, yeah, uh, this is a team that will succeed far more often than it loses as long as they can score at a reasonable yeah. clip. The Habs in the past have not been able to score at a reasonable yeah. clip. Yeah. That's where you get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, PTSD yeah, agreed. And I mean, maybe my my mind's playing tricks on me, but like, I don't ever remember Carey Price, or not ever, but Carey Price starting slow isn't new. Unless no. I'm wrong on this, I mean one, it's, it's like, new in the sense that it's been happening the past few years. But no, but that's what I mean. Though, like it's it's a trend from the past yeah. few seasons. Like he doesn't yeah. come in necessarily hot at the start of the season. No. You know, like it, it's it's normal. It's kind of like Chris. I'm pretty sure Freddie's the same way in Toronto. Like uh, October Freddie and November Freddie are different people. Exactly. Goalies <laughs> take a bit longer, and then you factor in that like this season's just weird altogether. You know, yeah. The off season was weird. There's no training camp. There's a lot of variables. Plus, Jake Allen's playing more, which is great because Carey Price needs the rest, but. That just means that let's like Carey Price's warm up period might take a bit longer because he's not playing, he's not being forced to play as much as he has had to in the past because they have they finally have a backup that they trust. Yeah, you know, like again, I I get why people are mad. I he's frustrating me too, but I'm just I'm not throwing in the towel yet because I do think I'm willing to let this play out a bit more. Let me let let's just leave it at that. I guess. Let's throw him in the towel. I don't think you can with a goalie like that. I just yeah. think maybe we need to stop thinking that he's the best goalie in the world anymore. Yeah. When players like John Gibson exist. Yeah, and Connor Hallebuck. When John Gibson's already stopped five goals above the expected. Yeah. Like that's that's what some goalies get throughout an 82 game season. And he's done it in five in in what is it? Was he played nine games so far? Yeah. I, he's John Gibson is that guy now, yeah. but that doesn't mean Price is not capable of playing at an extremely high level. Exactly, and I think and that's I mean, where that's where people are 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 getting stuck right yeah. now. Yeah, is that they're not, not willing what he to was in twenty fourteen? Yeah. Well, like we haven't gone now. through this before, right? Like like we said, this is a trend. He's done this before, and he's always been able to. Again, I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. When push comes to shove, and you need him the most, when you need to win that game, or you're mm-hmm. you know if it's in the playoffs, or if you're 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 trying to make the playoffs, and it's those must win games, he shows up. Yeah. And he, yeah. he shows that he's still that elite carry price. Is he the elite carry price all the way through? Not anymore. He's not. I no. thought he would be returning to that this year with a better team in front of him. It's not happening. This is who he is. It's a trend now. It's okay. But we've seen him come out of it. We've seen what he's capable. We just did it a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. It was what? Like well, yeah, August, August or September? Like, he just yeah. did that. He just showed us. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I don't know. I think the outrage is completely blown out of proportion. Yeah, 100%. And um, if he's making all the tough saves, I have confidence, confidence. that he yeah. will adapt to yeah 
make the quote unquote easier saves. Yeah, you know and I, I mean? I, the, ab- the ability well, is still and, there. Yeah, and let's specify easy saves too. Yeah. Obviously, if you're taking a clapper head on from Norris Winner Justin Hall, you're not going <laughs> to save that, bro. That was brutal. <laughs> oh man, and, and 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 like on a side note, like I know people are making a big deal of him not playing well. Um, but up until like like he started off the season fine. The numbers weren't great, but yeah. no goalies numbers around the league were great. Like he hasn't every goalie seemed to be struggling at any point. Like he's he's had yeah. some good games. He's had some games where he wasn't great, but at no point has he played yeah. in, in in a way even close to where I'd be like freaking out yeah. about it. Like it's it has not entered my mind even a little bit. Like oh, Price might have fallen off. Maybe Price isn't the same goalie. Like he's, he's this is the exact same goalie he's been the past few years. He's been doing this the past few years. This isn't yeah, new. But like. Yeah, but like Chris said, you have to let go of past performance. The vintage carry price that we all like, exactly. fell in love with yeah. when he was able to, especially in an, in an NHL with like, especially in a division with the the talent that this division has with Matthews and McDavid and Drysdale. Like, if you're the goalie, that's a lot of heat that's coming your way. I don't know why people are stunned that people are scoring on these goalies. There's a lot of talent going around outside of like, I'm not going to point fingers because I don't want to make fun of any team, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's there's there's a lot of you could say what you want about the teams maybe themselves but there's a lot of really some of a handful of the best hockey players on the planet are all north of the border and you have to face at least one of them pretty much every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're gonna, they're going to get lit up every now and then. I don't know why people are surprised. Yeah. Honestly honestly like I, I would imagine that Carey Price finds his game sooner than later and like it'll be maybe the opposite. Like we I, I mean god I hope the team figures it out, but I, I I could see it happening where Price finds his game and he's dominant again and the Canadians well, as a team are still struggling to get it going. You know like it's Well, Spence, Spence he's only going to find it if he starts caring though. That's no, the well, it's true, you know. He's if, gotta he, like, care. if he could stop he's... doing coke and like just yeah. relax yeah, a little you know. bit and like care a little more like maybe yeah. you know you know what i mean like and this is like a side note sorry not to, not to drag it on a little bit but there was a game i can't remember what game it was i don't even remember how long ago it was but the Habs lost and price was the nets and pri- people were fuming with at price as per usual when the Habs lose it's probably his fault for some reason um chelsea was telling me afterwards that she was on instagram and she like saw his wife post an instagram story talking about how like i think it was it was one of their kids who was up all night for some reason you know what i mean what, what yeah. do you expect obviously maybe he's not gonna be on his a game like these guys have things outside they're of hockey human, that are going exactly. on especially exactly. in a in a pandemic in what's going on in the world you really think they're all like going home and just kicking back and relaxing on their sofa no life's hard on everybody including yeah. these guys yeah they're I gonna hate, fall every now and then that argument of oh well you know, they're, they're $5 million is good. That's, you know, yeah, that's bro. what they can rely on. This is what they signed up. It's like, dude, they're still human beings. Money yeah. does not change. Yeah. All, just because you have money, it doesn't become, you can become invincible emotionally. It yeah, exactly. And, in, yeah. Like, and, and like, yeah. yeah, people love, sorry, again, not to, yeah. not to d- no, no, drag it on for too long, but people love to, people love to bring up his contract. And yeah, his contract's massive, but you're just gonna have to let that go. That's just something. When he signed that contract, there are 30 teams in the NHL. And all 30 of them would have signed him to that deal. Look, he was the Habs superstar at the time. You yeah. pay your superstar what you need to pay your superstar, and there's no way around it. Either either they signed him to that and people are complaining and people complain about it, or they let him walk, and the same people that are complaining about his contract today would have complained that they let him walk back then. Yeah. Just put point. the contract to the side. There's they, we're not moving him. You could argue it's a lot of money, but we're not moving him. He's not going anywhere. 
just don't bring it up. It, it's except for uh, you're forgetting Jonathan Quick, who Dean Lombardi proudly said <laughs> for the duration of this contract, no NHL team have a better goalie than the LA Kings. Did he outright say that? Yo, absolutely, word for word. Man, I like Dean Lombardi, but <laughs> every now and then, man, you just gotta. Oh, you could think it. Don't necessarily don't say it. Say yeah. it. I Especially appreciate it. In the, in the world though. of memes, like don't say in the world of memes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. We've spent enough time on, uh, on the Habs and Leafs right now. We're going to transition to some women's hockey. Uh, the tournament, unfortunately, was cut short, but man, it was awesome what was going on. Chris, tell us all about it. L- let me paint you a story. Okay. I'm here. Uh, it's April. You're Digit Murphy, the president of the brand new NWHL team. And your only goal is to build a team that can kind of compete in a brand new season. And then you finish first. We're talking about um, not being able to have any kind of on-ice stuff until about two weeks before the tournament started. Yeah. Uh, no team meetings. Uh, you can't even hire your own staff in person. They didn't get their uh, first goal until the second game, no? They didn't score until game two. Yeah. Uh, they got really close in game one, really close, but they couldn't get it through. Um, this team, everything was built from scratch. There were four players on this roster that had played in the NWHL before. Four. Wow. Wow. And two of them had only played a very small amount of games. Uh, Bucky played the last, I think it's five games with the Buffalo Buttes last year. We're not talking about players that had played four seasons. Archangelo had played most of the season. She is their captain. She was a um, a long-tenured NWHL player. But this is an entirely brand-new team, brand-new system, new teammates. Um, there are some players that came over from the CWHL. Gudbu was one of them. Like Nothing about this uh, is easy for a first-year team and then to also have done it uh, in a pandemic and to also have done it in a bubble. Um it's hard to put into words how amazing that is. Yeah. I think you just did that. Well. That they uh, went four, one and one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can you, can you have asked for a better start? Uh, they beat, um, they got held down by the riveters in the, in, in the, one of the, the first games, but they, they, they really, really, really made it impossible to play against them. They were fast. They were aggressive sometimes a little bit too aggressive, but aggressive nonetheless. Uh, and they didn't score in that first game, but after that, uh, they were unstoppable. Brooke yeah. Boquist scored one of the nastiest oh, goals I've seen good. in my life. Boquist um, is good, man. She was something to watch. And it, it was tough to not have her in the last two games, but they did it anyways. Like, like these are small things that because the bubble wasn't as, uh, let's say, bubble as it should have been, and it's not anyone's fault. We're not talking about a... Um, how would I put this? The, the, these these women had to get time off of work, yeah, right to to join this bubble. How can you ask them to do anything more than what they did? They were not protected to the fullest extent, in my opinion. And when the riveters pulled out, and then the whale pulled out, like these are things you have to make uh, decisions for for health, and I you can't can't fault anyone for that. Those are fair decisions, but to, the overall uh, product that they had put on, uh, 
unmatched anything I've seen. I, I I don't know how much you guys watched, but they were on Twitch, which was a like a really cool way of changing the platform that yeah. you know, as opposed to this really I don't know, at this point it's just boring the way that they have it on Sports Center TSN. It's very yeah. robust and there's no interaction with anyone. It's just those four panelists and there's there's no outside sources like the twitch chat like during the game like you're making friends and and the the panelists are talking about what's happening in the chat oh that's um, so cool it's the, a great the way saturday to the before the the season shut down there there were a million people that watched these games a million people tuned into these games the nwhl for for maybe the first time got put on a platform that it's never had before and yeah. you see what happens when you give the women's game any kind of support it's hard to like at some point in the last in the the i think it was the pride uh the boston pride versus toronto six game like there were thirty thousand people at once watching that game so there's a there's a, a market here and there's we're, we're at a crossroads for the nwhl like yeah. they can go on to be something big and maybe they can draw back some players from the PWHPA, but I don't know what their plan is. And I think they're a little bit divided too. Yeah. It's unfortunate that there's, uh, there's division there. Yeah. There's the stuff with Barstool that doesn't deserve my time or respect, but the, there, there's a future there and there, there is a demand for that product and they've done something big. Uh, they got, they got a sponsor for next season already. Discover is big. It's going to increase the salary of the players by 50% already. Like these are things that are amazing, amazing. Um, but it was shut down early. Yeah. Right. And that that's part of the problem with the pandemic. And there's not much fault we can give uh, for protecting the players of safety first. Yeah. 100%. So yes, uh, Toronto six, uh, they did something incredible. They finished first. They got, Bucky, uh, Michaela Grant Memphis is going to be the best player in this league. That that's without a doubt, in my opinion. Like she's she incredible. Yeah. Led the league in scoring, and she, um, I don't, I don't think there's anyone close to her on uh, like just the speed that she like she has. She got, she got her shot rockets too. for skates. The release is oh, like... the shot, the shot too. I mean, there's there's a power play goal she scored um, from a, below the circle. And she rifled it off the crossbar. I just, <laughs> what more could, how much, how much more perfect could a shot be placed? Yeah, that's the kind of player that will bring more to this league. Yeah. And I and I think that like, it they showed that it's going to work. Like <clears throat> that whole week and the few days that we got, there's something here that they can push for, and it's yeah. really really exciting. And and um, it's it's important that we say that there are people that have been there from the the ground up like Anne Tukarski and mm-hmm. um, uh, Megan Cheka, who's uh, John Cheka's sister. Um, but let's be real. Megan Cheka is the important one. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Marissa and Jemmy like the, and, and these are people that we're, we're so excited to finally see it explode. And I'm glad they're getting a platform for their stuff now too, because they did a lot of good work. Yeah. Like we're even seeing a, uh, there's a fellow named Mike and I can't remember his last name, but he's, he's already doing analytics. Oh really? These really? games. Yeah. No way. So like I was able to see like live shot share for some of the games, which is like that's awesome. great because I don't even get to see that for some junior games. Yeah. So it was it was fun to see that kind of thing uh, happen, and uh, it was my first year covering this league, and it definitely won't be my last because it was a lot of fun. You covered a lot it of really fun. well. 
by the way. I think yeah, you and there's there's job. there's fun things too that like that that they did that the fans wouldn't get in the NHL. Like, uh, have you guys ever heard of fan cams? It's like a thing on Twitter that I didn't really know about. No, but they that? like do like forty five second videos of like appreciation, like oh really cute shots of individual people. But like they were doing it about the Zamboni driver. <laughs> no way and, you, and you'd see him like between periods he would be on screen everyone would freak out in the chat about Aaron the Zamboni guy <laughs> that's cool that's cool <laughs> and the, they had like artists drawing like uh different dinosaurs wearing uh NWHL jerseys it just it, it, the kind of community that hockey doesn't have and I don't know if you guys know what I mean like it just yeah so I had a thought about this today of how there, there feels like there's this expectation for the women's game to conform to the norms of hockey culture or like, you know, pro hockey culture, or just hockey culture in general as it stands, which yeah. I think is such a, what's the, I don't know what the word is, a regressive way of thinking it. The game has an opportunity here to grow its culture in such an mm-hmm. awesome and beautiful way. And yeah. there, I really feel like if we open our minds to it collectively, it's going to open up the doors for some awesome, awesome things in the game. And that kind of interaction is the sort of thing that you're not going to see. You see that in grassroots movements and you see that in things like this. You don't see that in pro hockey as it stands. And pro hockey, like and NHL in particular, is so fucking bland. And Boring. these kind of things. Yeah, exactly. And these kind of things yeah. are awesome. And I just want to touch on quickly, like you mentioned these women had to get time off work to play in this. And I like, for whatever reason that slipped my mind, you know, like it slipped my mind that these are, these are people who have to work for a living on top of playing at this level. And to see them so good mm-hmm. at this sport, despite that is incredible. And it's such a testament to how badly these women want to make this work because mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I don't know if there's that many NHLers who would be able to push their games to the level that these women have while working a full-time job. It's, um, it's a testament to the amount of work that they had to do too. Yeah. It, their training camp was two weeks, I think. And they had yeah. like maybe seven on ice sessions like to get all that stuff done across. And, and I don't know if you guys saw any of the other stuff they're doing. Like the, the six in particular have a, a, a woman that runs their social media accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elisa Turner. Yeah. Um, and it just like they got things done. Like uh, the Bridget Murphy was giving her speeches with those tiny hands. Mm-hmm. You ever seen those? Oh, like, like, like the, the, yeah. You see them on TikTok. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so she'd be giving like a super serious speech, but she'd have those hands instead. <laughs> and like after the games, they would like sing and dance the Taylor Swift songs yeah, when they won. That. Like That's it's the kind that. of things that you wouldn't yeah. see anywhere else. And it, it, you see it like you saw it live in those two weeks. Like, the amount of people that drew outside of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I, it's the only time that we've, that I've seen that. Yeah. Well, I was there just guys say, from South Africa watching and yeah. like, like, like there, there were people from everywhere and they just, they felt yeah. included. And yeah, I don't yeah. think we've had that in a long time. No. Well, and it's just, it's nice to finally have proof that there's an audience Yeah. for the woman's game. Cause for the longest time you got the asshats on the other side of it who would just, go on and on about how nobody wants to watch it. How, well, if, 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 you know, the sport would grow if people really wanted it. Well, I got news for you. Nobody can watch it. If you're playing it at some obscure time in an obscure arena on an obscure channel that doesn't promote it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no shit. Nobody's going to tune in. Nobody knows what's going on. 
Look what happened. They put on this one tournament and there's already enough proof to show that people want this. Yeah. This is something that A, the women deserve and B, people want. People want to watch it. It's such a bullshit argument too because like look at the NHL when Gary Batman took over. It has grown so much yeah. and it's opened doors like crazy to his credit or for better or worse, whatever you want to say. I think it's been a good thing for the game ultimately overall. Yeah. And... You could have had the exact same fucking people saying, well, who gives a shit? No one cares about hockey. No one's yeah. going to watch hockey. And like, yeah, they will if you promote it properly. If you take the proper approach from a business standpoint, they will. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing, right? Like, it's it's so... I find it so funny because you read people... You read... Like, it's no secret than, than the grand scheme of, of sports around the world. Hockey doesn't rank near the top. Okay? It's no secret. But when you hear... When you hear somebody who, let's say, isn't a hockey fan, Talk about how, oh, nobody watches hockey. Hockey fans get so uptight about it. What do you mean nobody watches hockey? It's only because it's only because it's not accessible to everybody. It's only because it's it's not broadcasted, or it's only because no, not everybody knows about it. Well, that's weird because that idea seems to work for the NHL. And then when it comes to the woman's side of the exactly. game, yeah. those same people seem to go silent on it. Yeah. Like you're telling me. You're telling me that Arizona versus Florida matters, but the women's league does, like sh- yeah. I don't I it's don't understand double standard where you know what I mean like there's a lot of hockey that gets played in the NHL that fucking sucks like, <laughs> and for some reason it's just put on this pedal oh it's the NHL like get out of here with that garbage yeah it's not not, I mean, not a single one of these games sucked yeah exactly. That- it, 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 Which isn't to say, uh, like, let me just say quickly, like, that's not to say that if the women's league does become immensely popular and it has a great platform and the women are making good money doing it, that there's not going to be bad games. But it, it it's just it's just a stupid double standard that doesn't apply. When people yeah. make that comparison, they're making it for reasons that have nothing to do with hockey. Yep. There's there's a reason the NBA is so much more um, in tune with their WNBA league, right? Mm-hmm. And and we've gotten to the point where, on average, I'm pretty sure uh, WNBA games actually draw more fans than NHL games. Like really? They, yeah, no just way. like in in one game viewings, you can get a hundred thousand a WNBA game. You don't get that in hockey unless yeah. you're talking about a Canadian team. Yeah. So there's there's no argument anymore to be made. Uh, that this doesn't develop mm-hmm. NHL views also. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not telling me that those 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 people that came in and became fans of the goddamn Zamboni. What's wrong with that? <laughs> what like what? Wait, why why can't they be hockey fans? Yeah. What's wrong with what they chose first? Yeah, well, I don't yeah. give a shit. There's nothing wrong. The Zamboni's hilarious. We all started. That's summer, great. Right? Like, it's... How many times do we hear hockey fans complaining that the NHL is too boring? Yeah, you know, the, and then the, and then. These... The... This league, when the Zamboni was passing through the middle of the screen, they were putting lasers, uh, fancy lights, great music. They created a Twitter account just for Aaron the Zamboni guy. <laughs> like, like they they dove into those little things, so and cool. and when you have, um, and they never got to show it on TV, which sucks because they were so close to being on NBCSN, yeah. like. These were the types, of, and even the broadcast crew that they had, by the way, on Twitch was amazing. I think one of the guys was um, uh, an old Panthers guy. Oh, really? Yeah, but they had good. They had good banter with like yeah. former players and like yeah. 
uh, women that are in the game and like mm. it, it it created a really different dynamic than what we've seen on tv mm-hmm. and that's the kind of product that like if the nhl did that i guarantee they draw more fans also you can learn from what these exactly. these people did in that bubble yeah. and, and i know the bubble failed and i know that the players you know had some health issues but they learned a lot of cool stuff about yeah. hockey itself and how you can draw more people yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's it, like, I think it needs to be said that like we compared it to the WNBA a little bit there. And I think it needs to be said that inherently hockey is going to attract less people than sports like mm-hmm. soccer or basketball because the entry point is so much more expensive. That mm-hmm. being said, there is an audience there for all of this that is watching NHL games. And there is an audience there that isn't watching hockey yet that will come to it. I'm not expecting the game to ever be as popular as as soccer or or basketball or baseball for that matter or football. None of them are as expensive just to to just start playing as hockey is. But there is an opportunity here to grow the game even more, which it, it, when you take it into account that it's 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 harder to draw people in because of the money aspect alone shouldn't you be doing everything in your power to Mm -hmm. to grow the game more and to reach as many people as possible that are going to watch it you know doing support the initiatives that are doing those things for you exactly especially at a time like there are there are initiatives diversity would be good for business like i i I, that's i feel like that's the only language you can speak to these to the to the the nhl and if you're looking at like from a a suit perspective this will be good for business like diversity and promoting diversity has never been as good for business as it is right now what excuse do you have you don't have one there's none there's no excuse for I, I it think, they need to be helping the league. Just, small example like, like we saw the kind of hockey mind that digit murphy has right like obviously she knows a lot about the game we knew that already mm-hmm. but like don't you think that that's the kind of mind that, you know, a franchise could use? Like we saw in baseball, I think it's, I, I want to pronounce her name right. I think it's Kim Ng. Like we, sure. we, she's a, she's going to be a GM of the, of the Miami Marlins. Like, wow, like the, that's amazing. we're so far behind in those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two women just won the Super Bowl, right? We're in the Super Bowl at the very least, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The so there's a ref. The yeah. Well, there's a ref too. Yeah. There you go. Hockey is 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 miles behind, and and the worst part is the product is so good mm-hmm. for for that part. Yep. And and I didn't even get to like the PWHPA stuff, and like they've got a whole bunch of stuff coming too. Yeah. They announced the deal with the Rangers; they're going to play two games at MSG at twenty seven to twenty eight, and then they got sponsorships. We are we had already talked in the previous podcast about Secret um, and the Scotia Bank that had put a lot of money into them. Well, now they've also got to deal with Fresh Attitude. They got to deal with the Leafs. I think the Leafs are going to send out a whole bunch of uh, uh, extra PR stuff and like, which is awesome. You know, management, like help with management situations. These players, like there's, there's, uh, we're wasting mm-hmm. so much talent. I don't. I don't know if we'll get a generation like that. We'll have Marie Philippe Poulain. That will have Hillary Knight playing at the same time, and yet uh, there's more coming, and and we're just not. There's just nothing there for them. 
So I'm glad the NWHL is doing so well. But I think there's there's room that a lot of these uh, athletes think that they deserve more. And then how can you argue against that? There's, 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 we have not done enough. And I, I don't know how, how anyone can feel they've done enough to help them. It's the time to be doing more. On that note, let's uh, let's transition to some interesting matchups and storylines around the league for the upcoming month season, and that can be the women's league or the NHL. What are you guys looking at? Uh, for I shouldn't even say. Actually, we should say it now on the podcast. We're going to be doing this every two weeks instead of monthly. So over the next two weeks, what are you boys looking at? Uh, how quickly does Vancouver self implode? Would be one. It's happening. And bad. two. Uh, <laughs> Does Brian Burke do the nuclear option in Pittsburgh? Because like, or I'm thinking about trades. Like, uh, trades need to happen within the next two weeks, I think, right? Because the deadline is in March. Yeah, probably the beginning of March. And then the yeah, the quarantine period. But we have to we have to factor in for Canadian teams a two week quarantine. So like, yeah. if the Leafs are trading for a winger who plays in the American Division, which I'm assuming we would, I don't know why you would trade within the Canadian Division, but. Uh, if you're trading for a winger that's outside of the the country, you need to factor in the fact that they can't play for 14 days. So you, you have to maybe do it a bit ahead of the deadline because if you do it deadline day, yeah. they're only going to play the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. So it, I, I'm curious, I wouldn't be surprised if trades start happening next week. Yeah. So I'm going to look at Vancouver. I'm going to look at uh, Pittsburgh nuclear option mm-hmm. and trades in general just seem like they're going to be on the rise next week. So yeah, that's always good content, so I'm I'm very hyped for that. I like that. Now I'm looking forward to all those things. <laughs> me too. I honestly forgot that the trade deadline's coming up. Yeah, me too. Like I'm yeah. I'm so used to because hockey. I know it's a condensed season, but because hockey just started, in the back of my mind, like there's so much left. Yeah, you know what I mean. Intuitively, um, it just feels like there's a bunch to go, and like the trade. Yeah, and like in reality, like Chris said, like the trade deadline's right there, which means a lot of moves are about. Well, maybe not, but like theoretically, a lot of moves could start rolling in. I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking right now. I wrote Montreal versus headshots, and yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see if the trend continues of, of guys getting you know pretty bad yeah. headshots. If that continues, and if it does, how the team is going to respond to it and handle it? Because I I felt like it was there was a bit of a lackluster reaction uh, yeah. to like the good Branson one. And in fairness, good Branson is one of the fucking strongest players in the league. He is yeah. a bull. He's not an easy guy to tilt with, well, but yeah, you got to do something. I mean, on the I agree with you hundred percent, Spence. Um, like the the only thing I would say about the Gabranson was is that like with the way penalties have been called and the Habs were winning that game, maybe somebody said like, "Don't do anything." Like it sucks, but like yeah, I thought that too. I you know what I mean? Like we can't risk taking the penalty. Um, but you are a hundred percent right. Yeah. And like I I've been watching the game since game one, uh, the game since day one, and like I'm confused because. I could have sworn Bergevin wanted to get bigger and tougher. Right. That's for these I mean. exact reasons. And they are bigger and tougher. But like show it? I don't know. Do something? Like yeah. like I watch Habs games with my dad all the time and he's fuming every night because we got a bigger blue line to protect Price and and Allen and yet like nobody seems to be doing like they're not doing any big tough thing. They're just big and slow at this point. They're not doing anything that's like intimidating anybody. I know like Chris, you and I have this debate all the time, like about that side of the game. But like, if you're going to, if you're going to go that direction with at least have your team, if you're going to build a team like that, at least use it. 
And I'm not yeah, saying I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of like violence for no reason, but no. I I've I very much enjoyed Wayne yeah. Simmons punching the oh. face out of Jordy Ben. See what I mean? Like, and that's what like, I mean. Like 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 Chris said, like I don't want to see it recklessly. And like yeah, that's why like here. I had to turn I know I was joking around a couple days ago, but I'm gonna have to log off Twitter just because like I've been reading a lot of I don't care if it's dirty, get back at them. Yes, I don't want to see that crap. I don't want to see that garbage. I no. don't want to A see that because that's somebody like that's somebody's health that you're like yeah not caring about. And B, I also just don't want to be that team. I don't want to be the freaking the Bruins that I grew up hating where yeah. it was just garbage after garbage after garbage. Too. If yeah. you're doing that to other teams, yeah. do you not yeah. think that they're gonna come after you more? Yeah. Exactly. You know what, what I mean? Like, like it's it, eye for an eye, one, like makes yeah. the whole fucking world blind. I don't understand how it's, I, I get it. It's a visceral reaction, but at the same time, like think this through a little bit, you know, yeah. like exactly like, like, like we saw when, when Armia got hit, Edmondson fought him. That's fine. He, yeah. he fought him. That was, then good. it was that done was hands. They, they yeah. pat each other on the back and it was done. Yeah, and it was buddies. squat. They trained together. <laughs> exactly. They're friends. Like you said, like there've been a, you saw the Evans hit the other night. Nobody reacted. Yeah. Um, which again, we, we maybe they didn't want to take the penalty, but yeah, still, you would have liked point. to maybe see a something. little something. Nobody even yeah. said anything to him. Um, you saw the KK hit behind the net. <sighs> Weber and Sherratt, who are supposed to be the big, big tough defensemen that people hate playing against, both Sherratt like grabbed him half-assed and then just like stood there not doing anything. I, yeah. Again, don't I don't want to see dangerous hockey. I don't want to see reckless hockey. I don't want to see the Habs shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. Because they've they've already been doing that all season, but I, I don't want to see reckless hockey. But at the same time, if you're going to build a tough, hard hitting, strong team with the intentions of intimidating your opponent, then do those things. Do it, man. Like do it. How many times do we watch Gallagher in the opponent's crease get absolutely manhandled? As he should. Like I'm not saying that the opponent's wrong for doing that. No, if the guy's no, on no. your goalie, you move him out of the way, and then the puck comes back down the other way, and the guys get to practically sit on the goalie's backs and Weber or whoever's on the ice just kind of stand there looking at I like I said I don't want to see dirty hockey I don't want to see reckless hockey but I'd like to see some sort of bite because that was what they wanted from this well, blue line and they came out with bite they came out with too much bite yeah. they were so aggressive yeah. they were getting penalties called all the time and now it almost feels like they've they've reined it into the point where it's like they're neutered a little bit it's yeah just like you maybe, maybe maybe and you're right maybe they like they dipped they went too far and now they're scared to like cross that line again but like you said like it's not an excuse right kk gets blindsided the way he did like i don't care how calgary fin fans want to spin it that was a nasty hit and yeah. they both just stood there like i don't know hey yeah it's yeah it's it's definitely something we're going to be watching closely i think yeah. uh yeah. all habs fans are going to be interested to see this and regardless of how we think it should be handled we're yeah. we're all hoping that it's going to be handled in in some yeah. way um, yeah that's hopefully an improvement yeah. on, on what's been happening so far. Clean, hard hockey. And that's yeah. all I'm asking for. Well, yeah, one of the, one of the things that's interesting is like, I don't know if it's just me who sees this, but like there's so many times that you see a dirty hit yeah. and nothing happens. Yeah. And then, but then someone yeah. gets open ice hit, which is like perfectly clean. Yeah. And then they drop the gloves immediately. Bro. Well, who was it? Who was, <laughs> yeah. Who was it the other night? Romanov on uh, who'd he hit? Who, who, when, when the guy was cutting down to the left to the, towards the net, and oh, Romanov fuck. laid into him, and the, the guy automatically grappled him. Who the I don't get that? that. Oh my god, that's driving me nuts. Look, what is this? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's like you said, Chris. It's almost like a trend where these dirty hits go around, and nobody's doing anything. And then somebody finally hits 
lays a clean body check, which is awesome in hockey. There's almost nothing quite like a big clean hit where the guys, both guys get up, they keep on skating and everybody's fine. But those are the ones that seem to draw the most attention from everybody. It was uh, Thomas Shabbat, by the way. That's it. That's oh, it. Go. You know what I mean? But yeah. I digress. I oh, digress. You, you, um, very good point. Um, yeah. yeah. Hopefully we see some better uh, some better responses in the future that, again, I think all of us stand on the same page yeah. here when we say that does not lead to injury and that is not unnecessarily yeah. violent, that, that stays within the rules. And within those rules, like, clearly you can get away with a whole lot of fucking – Violence, you can get right? away with you, you, the NHL's proven that you can get out, get away with absolute crap, but they will break down on the most useless yeah. things possible. Yeah, I Tyler, don't, we, we all know the most important part of the game is how, how tedious the faceoffs need to it's be. It's true, though. You know Obviously, what I mean? It's, it's super <laughs> important to change the faceoff well, rules every year. And Chris, you never can't anything forget, else. Yo, Chris, you can't forget also, um, if your stick um lightly taps the opponent's glove, um, they're gonna call that. But if you lay your elbow into somebody's head, well. It was it. The head was not the principal point of contact. He may be unconscious on the ice, but he didn't mean to drive it through the head. So we're just gonna we're just gonna let it slide. But if you yeah. tap each other on the gloves, you're sitting for two minutes. Is is your ideal player uh, safety department run by a guy who did headshots his entire career, or is that we is could that see, not a good we could idea. go on see, about you... this all day? I'm gonna cut this off here. To anyone who's still listening after an hour and 40 minutes, I thank you. We'll talk about this next time. <laughs> we could go on about this forever. Oh, man. This is a, it's a touchy issue, for sure. Let's uh, let's transition out. Let's uh, let's take this to the next episode. It's been real talking to you guys. I, it's a pleasure every time. We're Healthy Scratch. You can find us on Hot Sauce Sports. My name's Spencer Plemino. You can find me at HockeyOMC. My name's Tyler O'Connor. You can find me at... Tyler O'Connor 95. I'm Chris Johnson Galvez, or as I would be called on Twitter, Kyle Dubas, but worse. And I'm at Chris six or seven. You had to say the name. That's a great name. I love that. <laughs> All right. Hot sauce sports. Thank you for hosting us. Stay healthy out there, everybody.